Hello, everybody. It's Keith. Help support the Northeast scene and declare yourself a member today. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast medium of choice. Rate us and leave a review. Every little bit helps. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It has every podcast episode plus other exclusive content. Like and leave a comment. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TheNEScene. Also, continue to write us at NortheastScene at gmail.com. We want to share your experiences as well. And now, here's the show. The fuck? You think I dream of coming to work up in this shit on a Sunday morning? Tell all my friends what a good job I got. I'm working to support a family, man. Pretend I ain't talking to you. Pretend like I ain't even on this earth. I know what you are. Now, I ain't stepping too, but I am a man. And you just clip that shit and act like you don't even know I'm there. I don't. I'm here. Look, I told you I wasn't stepping too. I ain't disrespecting you, son. You want it to be one way. What? You want it to be one way. Man, I don't you know want it to you... be one Man, way. Stop! Stop saying that. What is the other way? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northeast Scene Podcast. This is Keith. And Tommy. And we're back. And tonight's guest, Rishi Aurora and Chris Gregory from Sky Is Alright. It's a two-piece, 90s-sounding, shoegazy kind of band out of the UK. We spoke to Rishi before because he was on the show. He's a member of Signal Hill, a band that we know and love. And Sky Is Alright has a new single out now. Sky Is Alright has a new single out, Mistress Pessimist. It's everywhere. It's on Bandcamp, Spotify, YouTube, Tommy, YouTube. I know. That's where I listen to it. <laughs> it's So go check it out. It's really good. I'm excited for the LP. I'm excited to talk to the boys. It's going to be a good time. So here we are. Tommy, what's up with you? Uh, not much. I'm back in school full time. Uh, I got kids in front of me every day. I got kids on computers every day. Uh, doing all right. Kind of uh, hate to say it, but I'm kind of limping my way towards the finish line right now. I can see that June 18th is rapidly approaching and uh, I'm ready to go. That's right. You're a teacher, so you get the whole summer off. Uh, not the whole summer, but yeah, most of it. I- I'm off the rest of June, all of July and the first two weeks of August. That's the whole summer. Well, you know, I mean, if we're going by summer dates, summer doesn't really end until September 20th. But I know. don't get 10 weeks off. Do you also deal with 11 and 12-year-olds that are pissed as fuck that they have to be in school? <laughs> well, I deal with the equivalent of 11 to 12-year-olds on a weekly basis, but that's a story for never. Adult, adult children, yeah. Yes, yes, that's what I'm dealing with. But uh, things are going okay here. I moved my desk to a new room in the apartment. Huh? How about that? How is it with, like, it, does that really help with, like, changing your workspace, like, changing what your outlook is on that? Does it really help you? Today it didn't, but I'm hoping that it will. 
you know, I, I'm trying to escape the never-ending barrage of noise from upstairs. In um, fact, right now I can hear uh, chairs being dragged across the floor in the kitchen. And it went pretty good today. It's quieter over here. And by the window, I can hear the birds chirping. Yeah, see, that's I always like to work by a window so I can just look out. That's really nice. Yeah, I get freaked out because now people walk by and they look in and see me working and I get self-conscious. But, you know, it's okay. It's a, it's a, it's a, oh, and I set up where the desk used to be in my living room. I set up my guitar and my pedal board and, and an amp. So I, I finally played guitar again for the first time in like over a year. How was it? It was, well, <laughs> this is funny, but remember when, uh, remember when we had Corey on from Glassing and he talked about dad gad tuning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've been meaning to try it since we talked to him. Mm-hmm. And I tried it, and I didn't like it at all. <laughs> all right, so I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to make anything sound good. I don't know if I did it right. Like, what am I doing wrong? I'll send you a link. Uh, there's a really, really good tutorial. Somebody on YouTube. Uh, I forget his name, but it basically, he just says, "Like, look, if you want to play in Dad Gab, this are these are the four basic patterns of the way you should have your fingers, mm-hmm. and then you can kind of just slide around the guitar." Okay, send me that. That's going to be helpful. It's super helpful, and it's very much one of those, uh, if you just type in the tuning directly into YouTube, there's a lot of really cool people out there just kind of like giving you an idea of like the way they play with it. I will say this. uh, It is a very, very popular tuning for Celtic music. Yeah. So uh, be mindful. Like when you click on it, like if someone has like like a gnarly beard and like, you know, they're wearing like a tartan t-shirt. Like, don't, don't click on that. Like that, That's not where you want to go with that. Yeah. Well, I played, it was great. I'm going to learn a cover song and maybe I'll post that. So, uh, it's going to be good. But do you know what it's time for now, Tommy? Oh no. Current events. Yes, that's right. It's time for the pop culture minute with Keith and Tommy, <laughs> where we discuss the hottest topics of today. Tommy, are you ready? Sure. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm so, I'm so terrible with this stuff. I just, well, Tommy, I'll, I'll, I'll make uh, an Tommy, attempt at it. Tommy, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Part of the bit is that you never know anything I'm, I'm talking about. <laughs> I knew the um, Lil Nas X song. Remember that? I remember that one. I knew that one. The Oscars just happened. Okay. Did you watch them? No. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's look at some of the Best Picture nominees. Nomadland, never heard of it. The Trial of the Chicago 7, never heard of it. Minari, never heard of it. Promising Young Woman, never heard of it. Judas and the Black Messiah, never heard of it. Mank, never heard of it. Sound of Metal, now that I saw. Did you see that movie? No. It's good. It's about a dude in a heavy band, and he goes deaf. I I saw the previews for that. Yeah, he's, he's the drummer in a band, and he slowly has that progressively uh, degenerative hearing disease. Yes, I did see the previews for that, but I, I did not see that movie. Yeah, I highly recommend it. And last but not least, The Father. Have you heard of any of these movies? Just The Sound of Metal. No, that was the only one. Okay. Yeah, same here. I don't, I don't watch movies or TV really anymore. Do you? Actually, I watched a movie last uh, over the weekend. And I was really impressed with it. And it was somebody that won an Academy Award. Casey Affleck was in it. It's called uh, Manchester by the Sea. 
Oh, yeah. I wanted to see that, but I never got around to it. How was it? Unbelievably depressing, but a, it's a fucking really good story, man. A really good story. So I'll wait. I'll wait until I'm in a better mood to watch it. Yeah, don't. Yeah. That's one of those ones. If you're already kind of in a a, a low funk or something like that, that's gonna fucking drag you right down, bro. Great movie though. Great, great movie. And here's the other thing: I don't know much about Casey Affleck. I never, I've never seen him in a movie before. He was fucking awesome. He's really good. Like totally believable as that character. There was no point in time in that movie where I was like, oh, that's over the top, or like, oh, okay, that took me out. Like fucking the whole time. Like it, it, you, you believe he's that dude. It's fucking awesome. You know what movie I did watch? What's that? Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah, I never saw that. That's Oh, because you have that HBO Max, right? Yes. It was really good. I think it might be the first good video game movie I've ever seen. I don't know if I've ever seen a video game movie. Yeah, they're all bad. But Mortal the Mortal Kombat <laughs> 2021 was good. It was entertaining. It was a nice action movie. They They got the characters right. I think that's an untapped market for film is video games. If they could make serious adaptions that are good, like they're doing with superhero movies, it could be absolutely epic. Like a Final Fantasy? Yes. I would kill for a Final Fantasy VII trilogy film adaption. Now, here's my question to you. Would you want it to be done in the animation style of Final Fantasy, or would you want it to be live action with real people? Live action with real people, like how they did Lord of the Rings. Fair enough. Okay. All right. All right, next topic. Pop star Demi Lovato was harassing a yogurt place on her Twitter. Wait, her tweet said, Finding it extremely hard to order Froyo from the Big Chill when you have to walk past tons of sugar-free cookies and other diet foods before you get to the counter. She wrote, accusing the store of harmful messaging. And I think her beef was that she used to have an eating disorder or something like that, so... Walking by sugar-free products in the store is harmful to her. Your thoughts, Tommy? Isn't that lady like an ex-heroin addict? Yes. They could have fucking stocked the shelves with needles. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> fuck this lady. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm i going to be civil here because okay. that's my role. <laughs> is my role the, like, the curmudgeon? Is that what yes. I am? Yes. Fuck. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, or for this bit at least. Okay. Listen, I I get what she's saying, but no, no, like you don't, you know, it, because you w- may have suffered with an eating disorder at some point. That doesn't mean that you have to publicly blow up a small yogurt shop be- just because they're selling products. You know, like I don't walk into bars and say like this is harmful to me, and I want everyone to stop drinking. I don't go home to my parents' house and say like I want everyone to stop drinking. I this you know I don't I don't tell anyone what to do. You yeah, know, I, I just I control it from my end. If it's harmful to me, I don't go. Yeah, have some self control. I don't get that. Like I, I and the thing is, is that it's not incumbent upon an, a shop owner to be like, oh, like as you're walking in, have you had any previous trauma? No? Okay, go ahead and walk in. Like, <laughs> the fuck out of here. That's so crazy. I think that's a a thing. I just, I just, I can't wrap my head around that because, like, going to any corner store in Philly, it's like just little Debbie snack cakes and fucking, it's just garbage. Like, so I, I guess her beef is, it's like she's going to buy something healthy, so she has to walk past stuff that's not healthy. Like, is frozen yogurt healthy, though? Zero calories. Well, 
No, I'm saying I'm from that Seinfeld episode. (laughs) (laughs) Another round of strawberry for me and my friends. (laughs) Um, Well, that's it. That's it? Okay, good. That's it. That's been the Pop Culture Minute with Keith and Tommy. We hope you enjoyed it. I got no more topics. I don't know anything else that's going on. I'm stuck in the past, man. I I don't blame you. The past is pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I like the past. Now, I I uh, was watching uh, a movie with my daughters, and I was just like fascinated with it because it's one, it's like really beautifully like drawn and like you know at, well animated. It was their first movie I've seen in a long time where they didn't do like any like over the top like messaging like this is bad you should not pay attention to this like they watched the lorax and i was like oh my god if i get hit in the head with a fucking uh environmental message one more time i i'm gonna fucking turn this off but the movie was called soul it's about mm-hmm. a jazz singer uh, or uh, a jazz piano player who never really makes it big he ends up becoming like a middle school band teacher um and then he gets his big break to play with this very famous uh saxophone player and uh, on his way home from the audition that he got, he dies. Well, he has a very traumatic injury and he goes into kind of purgatory. And it's about uh, what happens to his soul, his soul, and gets mixed up with somebody else. And it just this sounds re- complicated. It's, it's, uh, no, 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 no. It's, it's a Pixar movie. So it's like very, very easy to follow. It's, I mean, it's intended for children. But yeah. uh, it's the first movie I've seen in a while that I was like, I got kind of emotional at it. It was like really, really smartly done. It talked a lot about what it means to be a human than a human condition. And like, sometimes things are awesome. And a lot of times things stink. Oh, that I agree with. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like t- shit's terrible. 99% of the time, but the 1% of the time it's fucking rad. It is fucking rad. So things yeah. feel bad. 99% of the time. Now, I guess I was due though, because things were, really good for a long time like yeah. two years i would say i was happy that's a that's a long run have you ever been in the middle of happiness and go when is this gonna when is this gonna come crashing yeah you know i got so comfortable that i thought like i thought i had it all figured out i was like oh yeah like people just need to get in relationships and then they'll find happiness uh everyone just hasn't gotten to where i'm at yet i know everything i'm so happy i figured it all out this is you know i was i was like getting like maybe i got a little too big for my britches there it's uh it's the symptom that we all fall into i actually had a coworker not that long ago that was like lost a bunch of weight and mm-hmm. like kept talking to me about like hey you want me to help like like diet i'm like why <laughs> have you looked at me like do i look like i need like it's like do i look You're like built. i need to be on a diet it, well, but my thing was like immediately i'm like do i look like i need to be on a diet and she was like no of course not and i'm like I, I don't understand what do you need she's like well i'm just talking about like you know making a healthy choice and it's like it's one of these things that like you you surpass something in terms of a goal that you wanted to get to and mm-hmm. you're so elated about it that you just want to share it with other people but sometimes your sharing is comes across as preachiness yeah that's why people find something that works for them in their life and they think that's the answer for everybody that's why i don't go too heavy on the you know sobriety talk because like that's not for everybody and i don't want that to be my identity well what i'm saying is i don't want to preach to people and i don't want anyone to preach to me what do you think of that I think it's a phenomenal way to live your life. 
I think we talked about this a lot in the last episode. It's that free to choose, man. Choose your own destiny. Do what you want to do. I'm not going to fucking intervene. But if you ask me for help, you better believe I'm going to tell you what I think. Like, yeah, it's just I think it's that live and let live. If it's not bothering you, like I had this conversation with my daughters not that far long ago, but we were in a store and they saw so they saw this lady stealing and uh, they were like, we have to tell somebody that works here. And I was like, no, you don't. You do not have. I was like, did they steal it from you? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, so here's the thing. You don't know that lady's condition. You don't know if she's like hard up for money. Also, you don't know if like maybe she's like mentally ill. The other thing is maybe she doesn't have like one of those little shopping bags and she just put it in her purse for right now. So she's going to go up to the front register and pay for it. And they were like, oh, okay. And I'm like, if it doesn't concern you, don't make it your problem. Yeah, my dad told me he used to steal the diabetic test strips for my older brother when he was young, and he didn't have the money to pay for them. They were like $30 a tube or something. We never had money. So he would take it and hide it in the the laundry detergent or something like that. Imagine if someone narked him out and he got busted stealing diabetic test strips for his diabetic child. So I respect the fact that you're teaching your children not to be a snitch. Fuck corporations anyway. Here's the other thing. Have a code. Like, just have something. Have something you conduct yourself with and fucking stick to it. Like, it's, it's, I don't get it. But, you know, I, my thing is, I, I just wanted to make sure that they weren't going to be like, you know, blurred out, like, hey, I see that lady taking something. Like, mind your business. All right. Well, now we're going to talk to Sky is All Right. Enjoy. All right, folks. We're here now with Rishi Aurora and Chris Gregory from Sky is All Right. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so folks, in case you don't remember, Rishi has been on the show before. He is a member of post-rock outfit Signal Hill, a band uh, beloved by me and Tommy and many. And uh, Chris, so you're a new guest to the show. This is exciting. How are you doing? I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having us. Honor and a privilege. Hey, it's an honor for us too. So... You're based out of Los Angeles, Chris? Los Angeles, California. Where in Los Angeles? Now, keep in mind, my, my geography is really bad. I know, like, right. Southern California and Northern California. Yeah, people will be like, oh, I live in the valley of the <laughs> Kaluadad, like, Valley Mountain. And I'm like, what the fuck? I don't know yeah, what man. any of... Inland Empire. And I'm like, yeah. what? I don't know what the fuck. What? <laughs> yeah, I went to Azusa High School. I'm like, what the fuck? I don't know. What the, What is that? Like, okay. Is that like... Kaludad sounds pretty good. I want to move there. Yeah, I just, awesome. I just came up with that on the spot. Yeah. We're like geniuses with this shit. All right, Chris, we're ready for you to actually answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> I live in Chinatown, which is right by Dodger Stadium. Oh, cool. Oh, okay. How do you guys... Rishi, you live in London, UK still, right? Yes, yeah, correct. And Chris lives in LA. How do you guys decide to start a band together? How does this work? And this is inspiring too, because I want to get back into playing music again. I want to learn how to do it, how you guys are doing it remotely. Clearly, there has to be some remote intervention here. So how does it all start? Well, yeah, I think we've I don't know. We've, we've known each other for a really long time. Uh, met in high school back in, what, like 1998, 99, something like that. Right, Chris? Something like that. But yeah, so we've been in a couple bands throughout the years. Um, one was a high school band called Tony Chapman's Gentleman's Club. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's kind of like classic rock influence. And uh, yeah, Chris, Chris is shredding on drums and yeah, I was playing guitar. 
And I think we used to end every show like play. I was like playing guitar solos behind my back and biting at the strings and stuff. And I don't know, Chris, would, do you remember anything from those shows? I mean, maybe we set stuff on fire. I can't be sure. Like basically like a high school version of Pantera. But <laughs> that sounds sick. Setting the symbols on fire. I'm pretty sure we did do that, but uh, it's something pretty cool. Yeah. And then, and then in uh, uh, college, um, uh, like college years, uh, say by the bell college years, we were, we we're in a kind of like math rock type band called Cossack. And uh, so, yeah, we've kind of been in and out of bands over the years. And I think it was kind of just like, um, I'd been working on some new ideas for songs and just like, I wonder, wonder if Chris would be down to do this because Chris is already in like five bands or something like that. So maybe he'd want to be in another one. Possibly. <laughs> um, yeah. So I sent him an email and was just like, Hey, you want to be in a, another band? And uh, yeah, I think you re- replied. What would you say, Chris? Like, <laughs> say, like anytime Rishi asks me to do anything music wise, I say yes. Just, just like Icelandic folk, sure, let's do it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> that, that's great power to wield, Rishi. Because anytime I ask someone to do something, they say no or uh, that'd be cool, which mean also means no. <laughs> See if we can pencil it in in a couple of weeks. I'll get back to you. Yeah. If I ever say to you, uh, if I my answer to anything is ever, yeah, let me get back to you on that. That's a hard no. That's my version of hard no. <laughs> Let's circle back in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so Chris, one of the things that would just like looking at, up your guys' stuff on Bandcamp is, Chris, you were in a band called The Littlest Viking. Yes. I fucking love it. It's like, if you guys have not heard them, really smartly done math rock, um, but like chill. Like very, very, let's just put it this way. It's not like Don Cab where you're going to end up with some like crazy distortion on stuff and heavy parts. Very melodic, very well done. And I think it's one of those things that like, uh, I as I'm watching it, I'm thinking to myself like, you're a really, really good player. How did you, like what influenced you when you were playing, like to play that style? Because you do a lot of really intricate symbol work that I was like watching it going like, holy fuck. Cause you guys have a ton of YouTube stuff. That's just you guys playing live. Yeah. Well, thank you. You are too kind, but I, j- I mean, sometimes I feel like I do the most and people have to tell me to rein it in. Okay. So it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a process of just like throwing everything at the wall and see what sticks, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I was just going to say, Chris has always been just like, uh, just, uh, the master like he's a genius with with drumming and and fills and everything and like i remember tony chapman shows like back in high school where we used to play like um the sound guys like at the venues would just be like staring at chris like just going off like on the, on the drum set so he's always <laughs> like shredded from the beginning you know and then and then he went to berkeley school of music too for for drums oh, yeah. so, like, so he's he knows Knows a thing or two. Dang, Chris, yeah, you have quite, that's quite a pedigree, sir. Holy I try. Shit. I try sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> just unnecessary, like double bass fills in like a classic rock band, just being stupid and everyone else putting up with it. But it's it's fun. I like it. You guys are too kind. You know, if classic rock had more double bass, I might listen to some of it. <laughs> oh, you're missing out. There's so much good classic rock out there. There's not, but I digress. Starts and ends in Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> now yeah. blue oyster cold is good that though i don't know are they considered classic rock i like yeah, it I dude i guess yeah. Yeah, I i'm into so. that yeah so let chris let's get some of your origin story tell us how you discovered music growing up and kind of your trajectory what you listen to what you're listening to now give us the story 
Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, I guess growing up as a kid, it was all like oldies radio, just focusing on like super catchy singles like uh, The Lion Sleeps Tonight, Rock and Robin, anything with a like immediate, file, like immediate hook, I would be drawn to as like a kid, I guess. And then from there, just getting into uh, in high school, a lot of a lot of shitty pop punk, a lot of <laughs> a lot of lag wagon, a lot of no effects, a lot of saves the day, shit like that. And then uh, kind of, I guess, growing up into to the mathy stuff, Don Cab, as you mentioned, Li- Lightning Bolt, uh, Hella, any Zach Hill, John Theodore, Damien Shea project, I would obsessively listen to and try to steal their steal their. And where do you fall now? What are you listening to now? Me, I'm all over the map. I I'm listening to like. Juice World, and then like metal, like Zayo, and then a lot of lo-fi, chill, hip-hop beats. I'm all over the fucking map. How about you guys? What what what's our top three right now? Let's start with Chris. Top three new bands or old bands? I mean, let's ooh. go with what you're listening to now. Right now, okay. Yes. Uh, the new Soft Kill record is amazing. Uh, I've listened to that quite a bit. Um, also. Oh, Man, you're putting me on the spot right now. Yeah, <laughs> we do that. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm ready for it. A lot of like, uh, recently I've been lo- listening to a lot of like uh, queer core bands from the '80s. So like, uh, uh, the Dicks, uh, the Big Boys, uh, MDC. So a lot of like classic punk, I guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then also like Human League and uh, Jawbox, Janet Jackson. Yeah. Just anything. Basically, what about you, Rishi? What are you working with these days? To be honest, I, I think because I haven't been home, in a, or like home as in you know, like the like Southern California, San Diego, LA. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've just kind of been listening to kind of just SoCal nostalgia tunes, um, Pin Back for Life. Pretty much been listening to that band since I was in high school, and still listening to them. Um, I think just yesterday, in fact, and uh, No Knife as well, another like classic San Diego band, still listening so to them good. a lot these days. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I find myself listening to a lot less music these days because I always listen to music when I was walking somewhere, and I'm not doing that as much, you know, since the whole world ended. However, uh, being involved in a weekly music podcast, I'm getting, I'm discovering a lot of new bands, and I'm listening to more music. And things are opening up a little bit more now, so I'm getting out there and listening to some stuff. And yeah, it's it, uh, I, one of my favorite thing is still discovering a new song that just instantly grabs you, and you listen to it over and over again all week. That's the best thing. Yeah, and it, it's kind of crazy how um, just like everything changed in terms, even just like listening to music changed in terms of having to you know be stuck at home all year or whatever. And, because I, I would do the same. I would commute and listen to podcasts or, or music and stuff regularly. And that's done now. You know what I do now? I signed up for Twitch and all week there's a Ch- Bob Ross Twitch channel. So I, I turn that on from like Friday morning till Sunday night. And I just watch Bob Ross paint all weekend. It's beautiful. Yeah. Wait, what's Twitch? That sounds amazing. It's like a, it's like a streamers network. It's It's mostly for like gamers. It's actually funny when Bob Rod when Bob Ross finishes a painting, everyone types in like GG for good game. <laughs> Wait, is it cost money? No. Oh, okay. I'm in. Yeah, check it out. There's a lot of retro video game speedrunners. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm into all that shit. You got me there. All right. Yeah, I, wa- I watch Bob Ross do paintings. It's nice. You can watch GoldenEye tournaments or whatever. Yo, if, oh. if, if they have that, I'm going to, for sure. <laughs> yeah, talk about throwback. Damn. Yeah. My interest is peaked. Now, yo, when GoldenEye, I was so good at GoldenEye, I would play people and... The score would be like 30 to 0 because I, I had the respawn points memorized for certain yes. maps. Oh, I, for sure. So, and the stacks, for sure. Yeah, so I would just run <laughs> from respawn point to respawn point killing you, which is not fun at all. It's not fun. I played against you. It wasn't fun. Like, as soon as I was respawned, you would go, oh, like, you were like, you knew where I was. I was like, fuck, I don't even have a weapon, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, god damn <laughs> Would you do, um, you'd do Golden Gun though, right? Like you have to do Golden Gun. That's like the only way. Golden Gun, <laughs> yes. But uh, Odd Job, the character Odd Job was outlawed. No, no one was allowed yeah, to yeah. use him. He's you can't too kill. short. You can't, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cheap. It's a cheap move. So we've got the band Sky is All Right now. When did this thing start to come together? Because uh, Rishi, I know you've been working on this for a while. I think we were talking about this last year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think. Um, I sent that first email to you, Chris, I think back in like 2018 or it was like early 2018. Um, like and then we had, yeah. And then we had a lot of back and forth and, um, yeah, I was like thinking back to that email string. It's so funny. Cause like the email is literally the subject line is like music project. And, like, <laughs> the first email is like, yo, you want to be in a band? And, and then, uh, we basically just like sent demos back and forth. And it was one of those like Gmail strings where it was just like, everything was like stacking like one email on top of the other. So you had to scroll down like really far just to like do a reply, you know? And I think we sent like a hundred over a hundred emails on that string or something for like a year and a half, two years, just working on demos. And how does that work? Like, do you, do you play a guitar something and then send it off to Chris and then he'll put drums under it? How does that work? I think what we've been trying to do and we're still currently doing it, this way for new songs. Um, I'll kind of just work on a demo. I'll put all the guitars on there and like work through vocal melodies and lyrics and stuff as much as I can and then send it over to Chris. And then, um, yeah, Chris will just lay down, throw down some fat beats, take it from there. Yeah. And we kind of just send it back and forth until it's done pretty much. Right, Chris. Right. Same principle. Like I'll do the most and we should be like, that's cool, but maybe do like half that. Maybe chill during the verse or whatever. Sometimes Chris will do something and I'll be like, oh, I got to change my part to like match what he's doing. So there's a little bit of back and forth like that. Yeah, for sure. How do you guys record it? You got home setups, that type of deal? Well, yeah. we met in LA to record. Like, like to, for the demos, yeah, we just do home recordings. But then to make the record, we met in LA at a studio to do it here. When was that, Rishi? Right before lockdown? Yeah, yeah. Like I was out there February 2020. Um, so yeah, literally like a month before all the craziness started. So you recorded this thing pre pandemic, the, uh, the record I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. So you've been sitting on it all this time. It took, yeah, we, it took a few months to mix. Um, I think, yeah, basically from like March, 2020 until maybe like September, August, September. So it took a while to kind of like fine tune everything and then just kind of, you know, in, Playing, playing the long game for the release, you know, like taking it easy, not trying to like rush to get it out. Um, there, there's no reason to rush, I think. So, yeah, there isn't because nothing's going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You can't play shows. What else are you going to do? So, Rishi or Chris, Rishi mentioned that you're in like five other bands. 
Are you yes. still in five bands? And I guess they've all been sidelined by the lockdown. Uh, yeah, five, five-ish, let's say. Um, we've all been writing songs because there's literally nothing else to do. Two of the bands have albums coming out eventually. Uh, but that's that's all you can do is write songs and record them. So, like one of my bands, we recorded uh, maybe in December, and it was masks on the entire time, tracking with masks, socially distancing while you're recording. So that was an experience. But what else? What else can you do? Live streams. I've done a couple of live streams. Which band was that, Chris? The one that recorded? That was Gray Moth. That was like that's like Gray a doom band. Yeah. So give us a rundown of what's coming out. We got Gray Moth, right? Right, that that'll have a full length. That's a Doom album. Wizrobe, we recorded the Wizrobe album. That's another math rock band. We'll have a second. We we have one album out. We'll have a second one eventually, whenever whenever we get around to it. And then the other bands are just writing songs. Chris has got like a crazy, crazy good like solo project too. Belted sweater. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, you should tell him about that. <laughs> yeah, let's hear about that. <laughs> so that that's me. That's basically just me by myself. It's all it's synths and shouting and live drums. I describe it as if Henry Rollins was an erasure, but all the lyrics are about grinder. And that's <laughs> what it is. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. But that's another thing that I can just do by myself. That's what I've also been doing in lockdown, working on a second record, just because I get tired of playing video games and watching TV when I'm stuck in the house. <laughs> oh man, same here. And uh, we're going to talk about video games in a second because because that's my thing. But that I really want to get some kind of setup where I can just write music without other people because I'm over other people. And, you know, I put together a nice track. I can just fire it off to my friend to be like, hey, you want to put vocals over this? Or, hey, you want to put a guitar lick over this? That's going to be my goal for, I don't know, this year or next. It's a very relaxing way of working. It's just like whenever you get around to it, do this, no pressure. Yeah, that's kind of how I sold it. Skies are right to Chris, too, I feel like, because it's like, yeah, we're... Just just throw some drums on this. We'll see where it goes. I don't really know. But the songs are so good. It was so easy for me. It, the, the, the drum parts write themselves because the songs are great. Yes. And I've heard this single, Mistress Pessimist. It's great. And folks, if you haven't heard the single yet, check it out. It's on all platforms, Spotify, YouTube. And the record is coming out June 25th on Somewhere Cold Records. So look it up. Check it out. Get it. Yeah, thanks, man. So, Chris, you're a gamer, too. Yes. All right. So, what are you playing right now? Me, I'm working with, uh, I'm working on Last of Us Two. Oh, that was a great game. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. I don't even think I'm halfway through it. When you get to those really long stealth parts, I just get like dejected and give up for a while. I'm like too lazy to like sneak through and shoot everybody with arrows. So, I don't know. Right. You, you just want to run past and get to the next. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and some sometimes I do that, sometimes I don't. It just depends. I play a ton of Call of Duty Warzone. That takes up most of my time. I'm doing some retro stuff, EverQuest, Quake, Doom, you know, all all kinds of stuff. What about you, Chris? That's cool. Those are all classics. Uh during lockdown, I've got I've gotten in my bandmate Tad got me into the Soulsborne series, so I've been playing all the Souls games. Uh, and now I'm on the last one uh, before I do, uh, I'm doing Dark Souls 3 before I do Demon's Quest or Demon Souls uh, for the PS5. But they're they're super hard and stupid. Sometimes I throw my controller at the screen, but it's, <laughs> but I, I when you finally get it beat it, it's amazing. I it's still hard to picture you doing that. I don't think I I can see that. It's funny. Oh, my neighbors hear me all the time, just saying like swearing loudly <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> 
I, I'm even I'm surprised. You actually throw the controller at the screen. I mean, it's a metaphorical throw. It's an emotional <laughs> uh, journey okay. of throwing it in my mind. Because I got nervous. I'm like, I don't want you to bust up your TV. No, then I, how am I going to watch VHSs on my TV with the built-in VHS player anymore? So <laughs> you don't make those anymore. Yeah, like Warzone is so frustrating. I, I'll be playing with people, and I'll just... I'm sure my upstairs neighbors hear me in not-so-happy states pretty often. But thankfully, I don't throw anything or, like, punch through the wall or anything like that. <laughs> right. you know? Then they're going to get the authorities involved. Yeah, so I've got that going for me, at least. Well, so when is the, uh, the album come... The album is self-titled, right? Sky is All Right. Yes, correct. Okay, I've got that correct. That's good. And uh, <laughs> it comes out on June 25th. Yes. So wh- what's the deal? Can we pre-order it? Can we get physical copies? How can we support you? Yeah, yeah. So um, we have the pre-order up now. Uh, our website, skiesareright.com, will redirect you to the Bandcamp pre-order page. And um, yeah, we have it on vinyl, uh, digital, and CD as well, actually. Um, and the vinyl options come, um, so it's, it's like a white, uh, white record and, um, the vinyl options come with like a t-shirt bundles as well. So there's like a, a black t-shirt bundle, a mint green shirt and a pink shirt bundle. Yeah. And we, we actually have our second singles releasing this Wednesday, um, the 5th of May. Um, and then we'll have, have a third single on the way in a few more weeks. And then the full album releases on June 25th. So, yeah, just a few more weeks away. Awesome. So, folks, by the time you hear this, that new single is going to be available. And we all need to yeah. listen to it together. What is the single called? Let's get that out there now so I don't fuck it up. <laughs> it's called, it's called, uh, it's called Indigo Moon. Awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. So, Rishi, you're in two international bands now. Don't you, don't you think you're biting off more than you can chew here? Uh, I don't know, man. I think it's. <laughs> I think I think I'm in a good spot, though. Like, yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll take it as it comes. Chris, are you going to go out to the UK to play a gig? Uh yeah, we've talked about it. Uh, having shows in the US and the UK, I'm down whenever. Yeah. Where? You know what? Yeah. Now that I think about it, that's actually a brilliant move because Rishi, you can probably get gigs in the UK. And Chris is in five bands, so obviously he can get shows in L.A. That's true. Yes. We got it all worked out. Uh, Lola's Viking was supposed... You guys had a tour planned for the U.K., right, Chris? Like early 2020 or like March 2020 that you had to cancel? Yeah, it was literally like March or April 2020. So it became quickly apparent that that was going to happen because of COVID. So maybe we can do... We, we, we had talked about like a joint tour uh sky's all right little's little's viking or something where we play shows together and share band members could you play two sets in one night uh yeah for sure i i played i've done that before in like math and punk bands and that was a terrible idea but (laughs) with these two bands it it should should, it would be it shouldn't be a problem i'm thinking about the logistics of that and i'm like man i have trouble just standing up in the morning fuck imagine playing two sets (laughs) i think like logistically trying to switch between like straight punk and math rock in my head it's like there's so much of a disconnect i'd be like okay i need like 20 minutes by myself to kind of just get my brain around what i need to do next (laughs) like i need reflection time in the the tour van yeah yeah (laughs) yo i just got an idea math punk Yo, we could start a whole new genre. I'm here for it. <laughs> down, I'm down, yeah. 
All right, guys, we're going to talk after the show. I'm going to get something going here. <laughs> we can start a, start a new email string. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here's some ideas. And to- Tommy just emails you equations because he's a math teacher. <laughs> These are the tabs. Tommy, so as a math teacher, you're just like, you have to like math rock, right? No. No, I don't have to. Because <laughs> there's plenty of math rock that I've heard that I've been like, eh, all right. Yeah. Like, I get it. But um, I don't like it if it's like too math rock. You know what I mean? Like, if it just sounds like a math rock band. Do you know what I, I'm saying? Like, like I, obtuse I like, for obtuseness sake. Yeah. yeah. And li- Littlest Viking wasn't like that. It was like... No. I liked, I really liked what you guys were doing. So props for that. But like, I don't know. Math rock is one of those, th- one of those things where I either just like it or don't. There's not usually an in between. Yeah. I think my thing was I got into, I think the first record that I really spent a lot of time with was uh, that first Ghosts and Vodka uh, EP. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember when I sat down with that, I was like, this is, it's, it's well thought out, but at the same time, it's, it's not harsh enough that you can't listen to it. Like there's not like, there's parts in there that are legitimate hooks. And I go, that's fucking really great. Like that's a really, really smartly done part. I lost interest in it where a lot of people were like, there was a band. Um, and I saw them live a couple times and it was like, I like their record Terra Mellos. I think they were called. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw them live and I was like, it was just them like playing with pedals on stage. Like a lot of it was just kind of like messing around with like sound. And I was like, all right, I don't, I think I checked out. <laughs> I think I'm out on this. Um, Wait, yeah. Didn't you guys play a show with them at the cocaine? I think I saw you guys with them. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. Like with Signal yeah. Hill, right? Wait, there yeah, was a yeah, venue exactly. called the cocaine. Yeah. In, in LA there's, yeah, it was called the, well, I think it was, it was like the jazz cafe or something, but then yeah. like every, every time they put on like, I don't know, like DIY shows on the weekends, it would it'd be rebranded as the cocaine or something, something like that. But yeah, wow. yeah. We played with Tara Melos there and I remember that weren't they like running around and like jumping on the, jumping on like the couches and doing crazy stuff. I think so. The proprietors are like, what are we getting ourselves into? (laughs) When there would be a show at the cocaine, would there be cocaine available for attendees of the show? Not that, not that I was aware of. Yeah. I I remember they, they would always like, um, they would uh, promote this drink. It it was, it was some like horchata drink, but like with alcohol, I forget what they called it. But, um, yeah, I remember that was like a, that was a big thing. But no, what you were saying, Tommy, about like ghosts and vodka and like being able to kind of like embed some of those like hooks every now and then. Yeah. I, I think I'm, yeah. I'm the, I, I feel you in that. And in terms of like a lot of those bands and kind of like knowing when and where to do that and how long and I don't know, just just being able to kind of like weave that in. There was uh, the, the one song that always jumped out at me as like there was a lot of parts in it that I was like, eh, like I'm not really into this. It was in the, I was on the full length. It was called Sex is Popular. Yeah, it had like a lot of parts that kind of meandered. It was a little slow, but there was a fucking hook in there that was so unbelievably good. In my head, I'm going like, "Hey, just make this song this. Just make this this like 20 second part. Just loop this." And then I thought to myself, "No, this is why I appreciate music like this because it's like there's a Godspeed You Black Emperor track, and it's I forget the the full name of it, but they never recorded it. Recorded it. it's from the Peel sessions." Um, it's some guy's name. I think it's like Steven something, Steven 
Deutsch or something like that. And it's uh, it's this guy talking about like religious stuff in the background. And he's talking about angels and all these charts that he went through. And then it comes into this unbelievable riff that just slowly builds. And it's just it's absolutely gorgeous. And I always thought like, you know what? And what a good metaphor for life. Like sometimes you have to swap, you, you know, sometimes you have to put up with some real shit or stuff that you don't want to listen to or stuff you don't want to deal with for just those perfect moments of those moments when everything culminates and comes together. I was like, damn, that was so worth it. So when I listened to that track, I never like fast forward to the good part. I'm like, no, you have to listen to the whole nine minutes of it. <laughs> yeah. This guy babbling about religious stuff. <laughs> Like a lot of F sharp, A sharp, Infinity is like that. It's like twenty minute songs, yes. spoken word yeah. interludes, and then when you get to the the meat of the song, it's just it's more impactful that way. Yeah, because if it's you know if they're just giving you the good part over and over and that's it, the good part's not good. It's like too much. Look, I, right. if I wanted to listen to hooks over and over again, I'd listen to Katy Perry. Like, I mean, that's that's what people <laughs> listen to pop music for, right? Steven Reich. That's the name of the song. It's like a, it's a three song thing that they recorded for Peel Sessions. Very, very good. Um, there's only two versions of it out there, but somebody did a brilliant job on YouTube. They took both versions of it and kind of meshed them together um, and took the best sounding audio from each clip and made a new clip out of it. It's fucking rad. Chris, tell us about drumming at Berkeley. Do you get a good drummer resume and then you can, I don't know, open doors after accomplishing that? How has it uh, positively affected your life? Well, I should first mention that Rishi, when we were in high school, Rishi helped me with my audition tape. I think we played a bunch oh, yeah. of like Yes and Led Zeppelin songs that mm. I that I sent them on like a cassette or something stupid. Yeah. And so that so he helped me get in basically. Yeah, it was but, yeah we played the Fish by Yes and then we yes, played the, the fish. and then and then the uh, the Ocean by Led Zeppelin like that riff. Yeah. I remember yeah. That. Oh yeah. Like the odd times ones. Is, is, yeah, is that, yeah. Is yeah that's what you're going for. Like, hey, yeah. let me let me let me really like focus on my skills because yeah, that opening to Ocean is like one of those ones that when you see it played, you're like, oh, that looks simple, and then you get, like really sit down and listen to it. You're like, that's really hard. <laughs> There's <laughs> a lot going on right there. Where's that confounded bridge? <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny? I, actually, do you know who's really good at drums? And I didn't know this. You know that fucking stand-up comedian. Um, God, he's from the 80s. Fucking, he's like an asshole, but like, that's his whole gig. Andrew Dice Clay. He's a drummer? Dude, the Dice Man, like, I saw him on... Uh, Are you sure? I sh I'm almost positive it's like... No, 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 I'm positive because I remember seeing it like within the last 10 years. There was a clip of him, and he's like talking about it, and he's like, no, because that's what they're doing wrong. Look, when you go like this, look, then, and he plays it. I'm like, holy shit, like, fucking Dice can play drums well? <laughs> that's fucking you nuts. have to send that to us. <laughs> oh, I have to. Uh, I'll look it up. I'll. I'm a YouTube guy though, so I'll have to fucking YouTube it to you because <laughs> I'm not gonna look for it now because I'll get too. I'll get too distracted. You go down a, a dice man rab rabbit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the rest of the interview is just like us listening to Tommy on YouTube. <laughs> I just I I thought he was just one of those people that like he he would get on the radio or he would get on whatever program he was on, and it was like. This guy is entertaining just because he's so crazy. He would tell all these stories. When he used to be on Stern, he would tell this story. Maybe it was Stern or Opie and Anthony. I forget which one it was. But he told this story about when he was touring, he used to go to um, stores and tell them, like, hey, I'm Andrew Dice Clay. Because this was, like, the height of his popularity. He's fucking, you know, selling out Madison Square Garden. And the one story that he was telling was uh, 
the guy that used to do his security was this guy named Club Soda Kenny. And he was like an ex New York. He was like a club, uh, uh, ex New York police officer. And he's gigantic. And they went into this place. So it's him and his like handler, this dude, Happy Face and Club Soda Kenny. Like, yeah, everybody's got a fucking crazy nickname. So they go into this candy store and the guy's like, oh, hey, I love you. Can I get a couple tickets for tonight's show? And Dice is like, yeah, dude, I just I need to get some candy. I got a sweet tooth. And he's like, yeah, of course. So he hands them like they have these like, you know, it's like one of those self-serve candy places that's just like, you know, those big buckets of candy and you use like a shovel to like put the candy in. And uh, he's like literally just grabbing bags full of candy. And that's where like this whole thing came out where they use this. He used to use this in his uh, one comedy routine was double bag it. Because they were putting so much candy in these bags, the bags were ripping. So they would just double bag every single bag they were putting in so they could fucking like have that much more candy. And the guy's like literally watching like for two $35 tickets, probably like $1,000 worth of candy walk out the fucking front door. It's like, Jesus Christ. Doesn't it seem odd that he would go to a candy store? Of all the things, you would think he would go get like leather, the, what is, the leather jacket and cigarette store. Like, do they have one of those? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's where it should be. Like what? Did he Amazing. need to eat some spree or something like before he went on stage? Not sure, but he seems def- weird. I think he's like yeah. a big. Uh, he's also a big thief. Like he also talks a lot about how he steals stuff. So yeah, there's okay. a. He's like a degenerate gambler too. He would bet on blackjack a lot, and there's a stern bit where he gets into a big fight with Artie over a payout for a comedy gig. Oh, get out! It's classic. But listen, we digress. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So we were, we were talking about Chris drumming for Berkeley. Does that get you into any band? Like, do you show them your resume and they're like, all right, you're in. Well, it's like a double-edged sword. Sometimes that, uh, that that's kind of the joke is sometimes it can help. Sometimes you don't even tell people that you went there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you kind of, do it on a case by case basis. <laughs> if you're trying to get like you know session work and stuff, then for sure. If you're trying to uh, like join a DIY band and maybe. That makes perfect sense because if I, I mean, I've only been in DIY bands, and if the guy showed up and was like, "I went to Berkeley," I'd be like, "There's the fucking door, go at it, like get out of here." <laughs> exactly, and I, I like both, so yeah, it, it played by ear, I guess. Yeah, but if he was just an amazing drummer, I'd be like, "All right, you're in." Well, who am I kidding? It's so hard to find a drummer. I'd just take him no matter what, especially <laughs> if he's, especially if he's great, which you are, Chris. Like you, you're probably in high demand, right? I mean, I try. Five bands, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You get a the lot trick, of offers. Yeah, but the trick is to not use a rack system. Then you're golden. Ah. As in, like, not have the drums on a rack? Yeah, that's like the metal tubes where you have, like, 45 toms, like uh, Phil Collins or Neil Peart uh, oh, kind of yeah. system. Oh, yeah. You don't need that. Exactly. That's the key. The dude from Further Seems Forever, he was, like, one of the best drummers. I think he only had, like, three drums or something. Yeah. Like he had a really minimal set. Yeah, I, yeah. I that's how I roll, drum wise, <laughs> setup wise, playing wise is a different story, but setup wise, yes. I heard that uh, Stuart Copeland only had a huge drum set because he hated Stink so much. We didn't want to see him like uh, just dancing around on stage every single night. <laughs> that's great. So I just have like eighty-five octobon, so I can't see Sting. Yeah, just a, <laughs> just four sets of rototoms, like right in front yeah, of your like field of vision. Exactly. <laughs> a set of chimes. So so tired of this guy. I would be like a real prima donna. I would have like velvet 
curtains around my drum set and I'd be like, no one can look at me. It, it ruins my art form. Yo, if, that's, <laughs> if there's ever a band that you should check out, and it's not like my cup of tea, but there was a band Stuart Copeland was in after the police called um, Oysterhead. It was really, really Anastasio. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Les Claypool, Trey Anastasio, and uh, Stuart Copeland. It is, it's really, really good. Like, it's definitely like, it, you you, you kind of need to be a, like a musician to appreciate a lot of it. But like, at the same time, it's very, it hits all the right kind of parts of like what I'm looking for with music. Um, it's just not something I'd be like, yeah, let me go put that on. Like, it's just something if I like think about it, I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't heard that in a while. I'll go back and play it. I don't know, man. I hear Trey Anastasio and I'm already checked out. <laughs> yeah. There's a, I didn't, I never liked fish, but uh, a friend of mine from college gave me a thing that was, I think it was live from Bonnaroo and it's him playing a vacuum uh, cleaner. No, but do, did they do that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh well, it's uh, they did. Uh, it, it's, it's a song called the in-law Josie Wales. Um, and it's a really just great, it's a singular guitar piece. There's nothing else. It's just no singing. It's just him playing guitar and it's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. You know, I saw fish before I went to a fish concert. I never made it inside. I went to the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I went to the parking. I, I, you hear these legendary stories of the parking lots at fish shows and I went and no one would sell me anything. Well, I think they thought I was a cop or something. Yeah, you're not on the ends. You know where the you know where the best like those best parking lot shows were like around our area. Uh, that band Disco Biscuits. If you yeah. went to Disco Biscuits, you could like you know, if you were like, hey, do you guys have? They'd be like, I have five meo amt. How much a dose? I'd be like what? But I don't know what that is. I have to look that up. Hold on a second. What is, like you guys are you guys are way like you guys are like chemists. What are you doing following Disco Biscuits? What the fuck? That's what chemists do. Apparently. Home, chem home chemists, at <laughs> least. So uh, let's see. What else is going on? Rishi. Now, Signal Hill put out a split with North End in 2020, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we did. That was exciting. Let's talk about that a little bit. How are any plans for uh, any gigs in the future? Like, what's going on? Yeah, so yeah, we, we actually had, um, had to cancel a tour as well back um right when the pandemic started back in uh, right. March, March, 2020. Right. So yeah, we had plans to play here in the UK and then also we were going to play a, a few string of shows um, in the Northeast. Like um, we had uh, Brooklyn booked and a couple other places, Philly um, actually with North end. Uh, so uh, I think that was why we decided to do the split because we had to cancel that tour and we we're, you know, just kind of like, well, you know what, let's just work on this split together. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that was basically it. The one thing I was excited about with the split was kind of like the artwork. Um, it's kind of like this, like line art kind of globe thing. And it has these like, uh, like hot spots, like colored, like red and blue, um, for kind of like all of our locations, like on the globe or whatever. And, um, yeah, yeah, I was pretty happy with how the whole thing turned out. I like that. Who, who makes the artwork? Um, I'll generally, I generally do a lot of all the Signal Hill stuff. Um, but this, this one with the North End split, it was a cool kind of like collab, like, um, North End kind of suggested the idea. Russ, Russ from North End kind of had this like vision in his mind and he was just like, I want to try doing this. And so I kind of just like whipped it up and, um, so yeah, it was cool kind of like collab. I love that. And I love with some, I love when someone besides me comes up with a cool idea and it's like actually a good idea because then I don't have to think of anything. 
if someone else is like, hey, let's do this, and I don't hate it, I'm like, yes, I'm in. <laughs> Sold. Yes. Yeah, sounds good. What What else is going on with Signal Hill? Any future plans, future releases, future shows, discussions, anything going on? Yeah, I mean, we, we eventually want to reschedule those those tours, right? So, I mean, hopefully 2022, um, UK, we'll, we'll do something. Um, and we actually have a, a reissue album coming out um, just in a couple months um, in July as well. Um, it's basically like a vinyl, like a double LP of all of our EPs um, because we never released those on vinyl. So basically the Signal Hill self-titled EP that came out in 2007, I think. Yes. And then the Distance one that came out in, um, I think that was what, like 2010. 2010. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah, nice. so those, and then also it'll have some like B-sides, like four, I think four like B-side rarity types of tracks um, all on a double LP. So yeah, we're pretty excited about that. And like got got them like remastered and the EP, like the original EP, we got it. Um, the mix is kind of like updated, so they sound like super fresh. Um, so excited to have that out pretty soon too. Well, I'm excited to hear it. Those two EPs are absolute classics. And then we've got some B-side stuff in there that I probably haven't heard before, so I'm excited. Tommy actually turned me on to Signal Hill all these years ago. The 2007 EP. That was the first thing I heard. Thanks, Tommy. Yeah, thanks, You're welcome. Tommy. And actually, I didn't, you know, it's funny. I didn't even find that on my own. Uh, a friend of mine I played lacrosse with found it. My Riley. friend Chris Riley, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a big post-rock head. Oh, yeah. he's yeah. That's his, like, go-to thing is, like, he's, like... Keith, he has that same idea with like you and I, where like we sit down and go like, I want to find something new and it's that hunt for finding something. The thing is, is that like, you know, like Chris and I both have kind of like, you know, with careers and family and all that stuff, we've kind of put it by the wayside. And like, it's just one of those things that I rely on. I rely on you now because like Keith will just send me stuff and I'll go, good. I found something amazing. Actually, Keith, Keith found something amazing. No, man, you can take credit. I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Chris, of all your bands, do you have a favorite one? Talk. Let's talk oh, about it on the show right now. It's okay. They're not. My, my bandmates are not going to listen to me talk, so it's fine. I can crash, I'm I can just kidding. I, I wouldn't put you on the spot like that. I can, I can tune out real quick if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, do you, do you just play music, or do you, ha- do you have, like, survival gigs? What's your story? No, I have a uh, day job doing accounting and it's been remote for this past year, which is kind of nice. So I just make spreadsheets all day and play the drums all night, I guess. Chris, are you a uh, Excel or Google Sheets person? Uh, Excel, definitely. Okay, yeah. Yeah, any legitimate company is going to be using Excel. I've never even heard of Google Sheets. It's not good. It doesn't, it's very, it's, it's, uh, as people talk about with software programs, it's clunky. It's very clunky. It doesn't. Yeah. It does not work well, and and it's it's not intuitive. And on top of that, I've gotten so used to, especially with like making spreadsheets for like students and like you know, just being able to like plug the formulas in very quickly to get the results I want. And I'm like, okay, what's the class average on this? Okay, okay, cool, ninety four point six, cool. Like it it spits out the information I want very quickly. But um, yeah, actually, Chris, I had a question about when you're at when you're at Berkeley, uh. are you around like are you surrounded by people that are percussion people or do they kind of intermingle you intentionally to be in classes with people that are you know of all different instruments oh for sure it's you're intermingled all the time 
Okay. The only time you're percussion only is when you're in a percussion class, and even then, sometimes the uh, other instrumentalists like to take like you know, uh, like African hand percussion or Latin percussion or anything just to broaden the horizon. So you could be around all different types of musicians all the time, which is kind of cool. That's really cool because that just that exposure. And then my other question was, when you have classes, how many people are? I mean, I'm sure they vary, but like what. Do you have like one-on-one time with a, a professor or do you just work specifically like, okay, here's a small group, like we do small group instruction? It's it's both. Uh, you have an assigned uh, one-on-one instructor every semester and then you can also have to take a certain amount of group where it's like anywhere from like five to 10 people in a class uh, on a specific like brushes, double bass or whatever, a specific subject. So it's all of the above. In the double bass class, did they put on Slayer or something? I mean, that's a lot of what it was. It, it's, it was honestly a lot of doing rudiments with your feet instead. And a lot of it was, this is actually what kind of turned me off to double bass because I was really into it in high school, yeah, but I kind of got away from it, is that uh, they wanted you to keep, your, keep the head off the beater and like kind of pull it back and in order to do that you have to have like work your core muscles so it's basically like you're exercising as you're as you're playing metal and i was not about that life (laughs) (laughs) you know know who's and this is one of those things that um i always thought with like double bass i this is uh I, i was a huge like it's just speed metal, black metal, like faster, the better. All right. These yeah. guys are playing at 310 BPM. This is fucking, this is it. This is as fast. As, when right. I heard Pantera in like sixth or seventh grade, I heard Vinnie Paul doing those, like they're almost like rolls that he does. Like he keeps, uh, it's, uh, I keep thinking of, um, the double bass part from, I think it was five minutes alone. And he has this whole section where, do you remember that show? Tommy Lee goes to college. And it was the drummer from Motley Crue, Tommy Lee, went back to college to like take college classes. Vaguely, well, I do. Yes. Well, one of the one of the sections was him meeting with Vinnie, Vinnie Paul, and he was like showing him, "Hey, this is how you play this part." And like Tommy Lee was like struggling so bad with it. like he was just like, "I don't get it. How do you do that? How do you move so fluidly from like you know quarter notes to eighth notes to sixteenths, and then move right into a section that's thirty second notes?" And he's like. Tommy, you got to practice. <laughs> he just like, looks him dead in the face. Like, yeah, you, you got to, you got to practice this stuff. And it's like, oh yeah, this guy's been spending the last 30 years just parting his ass off. Like for sure. Vinnie Paul is so good. Uh, definitely underrated. I mean, obviously Pantera is, their records are great, but you have to you not look too finely uh, on their legacy. Their oh no, 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 no. Specifically <laughs> Phil Anselmo being a yeah. racist. Yeah. So I, I have mixed feelings when it comes to them, but as far as just the drum parts, they're great. Yeah. yeah. Well, Keith and I have had this conversation many a times about like, if you meet an adult that is wearing a Pantera shirt, run away. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Like r- run. <laughs> Because they, they, they I, honestly, they're in my head. I'm going like, uh, look, if it, I, I had a Pantera shirt when I was in seventh grade and it was awesome and I loved it. And then I got older and realized the people that were still in the Pantera at 24 were scary as fuck. Like, right. like <laughs> they like the Confederate flag on Dimebag's Dime guitar. They're not turned off by it. Oh, no. And then they are also the same type of people that will like, when you're like, hey, where'd you get that tattoo? I did it myself. And you're like, all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. The best drumming, Meshuga. That, yeah. that guy plays the guitar 
with his feet on the, the the double bass. This random video popped up on YouTube before, and there's like this famous drum instructor watching Meshuggah play Bleed or Bled or whatever the song is. And oh, yeah, Bleed. He's like commenting on the drumming, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Like, if if there was no double bass, it'd be so easy to drum for Meshuggah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's It's like a puzzle. And I didn't know this until I saw them live that a lot of their songs are in four because they headbang yeah. a straight four four and they just super syncopate over like a two and four back two and four backbeat. And I didn't realize that until I saw them. And it was like a light bulb went off in my head. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. This nice. is even cooler that it's straight ahead and you don't even know it. Yeah, and it's that 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 idea that rem, I remember when I heard um, the first thing I heard from Meshuggah was that Contradictions Collapse EP, and I remember being like, I've never heard anything like this. Keith, it's this the the one song that you call you used to call the the alarm clock song. That, oh yeah, <laughs> the alarm clock metal song. Yeah, yes. but uh, that was my first real exposure to like polyrhythms, and I was like, oh my god, I don't even know what's happening right now. Because like it, you could easily tap out the parts on your finger, like you can just go okay, you can do that. But like when you realize like he's doing so many other things while at the same time keeping a completely different time signature with his hands, you're like, oh my god, like this is right, and it changes all the time. Yeah, and that and that's it's hard to keep track of it. It's just they're like improving together. I read something that. The guitar player, I don't know if this is true or if I'm even getting it right, but the the guitar player like worked out this song and it took the drummer like almost a year to learn the song. And I believe it if it's true because listen to that stuff. I believe it. Yeah. Like just memorizing the different changes and everything alone would I mean those those guys are like aliens. They're I, they're in, they're in a league of their own. My uh, a friend of mine used to call them uh like robot metal. It was like they. It was like someone <laughs> programmed a bunch of robots to play metal. It's like fuck. That's actually that seems pretty accurate, man. Well, let's let's talk business here, gentlemen. So hopefully we're gonna have. Uh, hopefully we're gonna have some shows lined up, right? Maybe even a Signal Hill slash Littlest Viking tour or a Signal Hill slash Sky Is All Right tour, right? With nothing set in stone yet, but we're, but we're in some talks. Yeah, yeah, we're working out details. So we'll have we'll have something to share soon, I think. That's good. And we've got the self-titled Sky is Alright record coming out on June twenty-fifth. So folks, we're gonna go to the band's band camp and we're gonna order it. Because we wanna support the band and they're good. I mean, come on. You guys agree, right? I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with it. <laughs> I mean we're biased. Yes. We've got the single mistress pessimist out right now we're going to listen to that again and again and by the time this podcast drops we'll have a new single out indigo moon so we're going to listen to that we're doing it we did it there you go yeah man every day every week we're doing it we're getting it done so uh oh chris how does it work like you're an accountant but you also go on tour. How does that work? Like, can you only go on tour for a week or two at a, at a time? Well, no. Uh, so I actually had pra- I mean, practice for the pandemic in that uh, when I would go on tour before, I would work remote from the van whenever I could get service from my phone. So uh, my boss was totally cool. I can just go out, go out for a month and work from the road. So when the pandemic hit, I was already 
already had processes in place. Yeah, I thought I thought about that too. I was like, I could conceivably work from the road if I could get service and have power to the laptop. No one would know where yeah. I am, you know? Right, you just respond to your emails. Uh, nobody cares. Do you, yeah. it's, that's all you got to do. Do you do any <laughs> client-facing stuff? No, so that's part of why I could do it, is that it's all internal. Okay, cool. I'm on like a lot of client calls and internal calls, so I guess that wouldn't work. They'd see me in a van, they'd be like, where are you? What's going on? why do i hear rock music in the background i taught my math class one day uh from my shower upstairs Uh, wait what yeah so isn't that illegal (laughs) no not like i all right so i was in i was standing in the shower the kids actually i told them at the end of class i was like hey i've been in my my shower the whole time they're like you're where so uh you know how the back wall of your shower is well at least the shower we have uh on the second floor is um like it's like the same material as like whiteboard so i think so i i just set up my laptop on a couple uh, on a stool and then i put that uh put a you know rubbermaid tote on top of that and i put my laptop on top of it and i taught like i was teaching like normal i just stood in the bathtub and i did all the equations on the shower wall why? Because um, <laughs> because <laughs> we had the whiteboard downstairs and uh, the, I was typically teaching from my basement. And what happened was uh, the baby ripped the whiteboard down. Oh, not ripped it, but she she knocked over the one thing and it, it, it messed up the whole whiteboard and had a big scratch in it. And I couldn't use it anymore. So I had to go out and get a new one. But uh, I couldn't get to – they sell them at Home Depot. You can just go buy them. They're like 14 bucks. But I, I, I had to go to Home Depot to get one. But I still had one more class to teach that day. So I just taught it. I was like in my head, I'm like, where can I do this? And I don't want to work on like a tiny whiteboard and keep showing them like one problem and then having to erase it and be like, okay, so you're on line seven of this of this eight-step equation like and being like ruining the work. So I was just like, I'll just, I'll just do it upstairs in the shower. Uh, it actually came – my wife found somebody doing it on um, – Instagram, I think. And it was like teacher hacks. And it was like, if you don't have a whiteboard, you can teach from your shower. Just teach, use the bathroom mirror, or use this. And I was like, oh shit, I'm just going to set it up in the bathroom upstairs. And I, I taught an entire hour and a half long class about uh, linear equations <laughs> from my bed. That, uh, that yes. is a pretty good idea, actually. It, it, it worked. <laughs> Here's my thing. In a, in a fix, like when I couldn't get it done the way I normally would get it done, um, it, it worked. And I really sat down and thought about it for a little while. I was like, do I really need to go to Home Depot today? I could just do this again tomorrow. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I'd rather not have to just, all, all I kept thinking about was like, my daughters are going to see this and then want to take whiteboard or take, you know, the dry erase markers into the tub. And I was just like, no, this is going to create a whole new problem. I'm just going to just go out to the store and get a new one. So uh, Rishi, how much time can you take off of work to like play gigs. I I wouldn't I don't think I'd be able to take off more than a week at a time. Maybe even less now because I I started a new role at the same company and I'm just way busier than I was before. Yeah, I think it it would probably be yeah, about like 2-3 weeks something like that. And I think it's it's pretty difficult in terms of like the time zone too. So like if we did like a West Coast tour for example. Oh um, yeah. Like I could I could work a little bit, but I'd be yeah, it's like eight hours difference or whatever. So yeah, so that would make it a little harder. Did you guys have to go into an office before this whole pandemic broke? Yeah, I did. Yeah, same. Yeah, so that, man, you guys must be happy that there's no more of that, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's just the flexibility. 
I like I'm uh I I could work remotely even before the pandemic, but now I don't know. I'm just there's much less travel. I haven't had to do as much travel yeah. and um shit, I make my own schedule. I'm on like an insane schedule. I I get up and start working and or I eat breakfast at noon, I eat lunch at like 4. I'm like all fucked up. That's the life. That's the dream right there. Yeah, it's it. Yeah. And you you're an adult, you can make your own decisions, you know, you can I don't have to adhere to this lunch at noon, dinner at five bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you both for coming on the show. Chris, it was really nice to meet you and speak with you. Rishi, it's always a pleasure. You know, we really dig the music that you guys are working on, and we're looking forward to the new project together. And I hope when and if the world gets back to normal and bands can tour again that, you know, we can come out and see you and say hello. Yeah, yeah, of course. It'd be nice, be amazing to meet you guys in person. And hopefully Signal Hill can also get that like Northeast tour schedule too. So we can see you in New York at least. And um, yeah, I don't know. We'll figure, figure something out. But yeah, thanks again for having us on. And it's really nice to chat with you guys. Yeah, th- thanks so much for having us. I can't wait till we can play in, in New York and then we'll just go hang out. There you have it, folks. Sky is all right. Great to talk to Rishi again. Nice to meet Chris. Nice people, excellent people, good times. I just, I like this because we get to talk to our favorite musicians. We're meeting new people all the time. This is like my Monday night moral boost because up until this past Sunday, that would be my Sunday night morals crumbled into the ground and ground into the dirt. And then Monday, I'd feel bad all day. And then Monday night we do the podcast and I feel better. But Tommy, as I was talking to you about earlier, I've I've made some adjustments and I think things are going to be better now. I think so too. I think, um, and this goes back to the last episode. I think, uh, you know, people aren't going to know about this because we did talk with about Jim with, with Jim off the air about this. Um, but Jim Ward gave some really, really excellent advice. And I think it's nice to hear you kind of take it to heart and be like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and make this decision and I'm going to stick with it. So for me, that feels like that feels like victory. I listened to everything he said and I didn't at first. And then as the days went by, I went and just listened to everything that he said. I'm going to call Jim and tell him he's my dad now. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> i always think about i had a uh a student a, a long time ago but they really love the negative attention you would give them when they misbehaved in class and yes. their 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 behavior wasn't like outlandish like they weren't like doing anything that was like seriously disrupting the class it was just it, it was like an annoyance to me and finally i just kind of trained myself and the kids to just ignore their behavior and it went away it just magically disappeared because they weren't getting the attention that they wanted from it. Like they would do something and then get a reaction, not only from the class, but from me. And they were like, look, I got a mad again. And it was just like, all right, I'm just not even going to care. I'm just going to keep going and teaching the lesson like normal. And the kids that are paying attention are paying attention and doing the work. It's like that Simpsons episode, the tree house of horrors. Just when all don't the- look. 
Just yes. don't look. Yes. It's such a valuable life lesson. I come back to that all the time. It does. It has Paul Anka's guarantee, too. So fucking A. <laughs> <laughs> if nobody, if somebody listens to this show and they haven't watched The Simpsons, they hate us. They fucking are like, what is this? They, they constantly are like, why does Tommy bring this stuff up? Or why does he say random things? Like, I don't understand any of it. And I, for those I listeners, mean, I, I apologize. think that, and I'm on the show. <laughs> <laughs> um oh, should i move back to the philly area i this is my thing i love when you're here because you know like when we get to spend time together it's funny like it's just us making fun of things us teasing people us giving each other a hard time uh having deep conversations enjoying each other's company so i would more than anything else love you to come back but Make a decision based on what's best for you, man. Because at this point, like you've invested a lot of time and effort to create a new life in New York. And I think you owe it that, like give it that time. Like I know right now you're like, fuck it, man. Like things don't seem right. And you want to, you know, walk away from it. But um, I don't, I don't think that's the answer now. Maybe it, look, I'd say I reevaluate in six months. I'd look at it in six months and go, where do I really feel? Like, do I stand with this? I'm going to wait. I'm going to move this year in New New York still. And I'm going to live in a new apartment for a year and then see how things are going. Because, you know, I think things are just uncomfortable right now, but I don't think they'll be that way forever. Because I've been here before. In 2018, I had nothing. I had no friends. I had nothing to do. I had nowhere to go. And I became, I became completely solitary, but in a way that was sufficient. I would get out of the house and see people a couple times a week for, you know, a thing I'm involved with. I would occasionally hang out with friends. And that's, that's, I, you know, I just got into gaming. Like I, I had this whole scheduled life for myself during the week and then I got into the acting class, and then that became my focus. I was still doing the band, kind of, but the band fell apart. And then I got into the acting class, and then I was going to that every week. And then we were working on that a lot to do the play. So I carved, I had like, I built up a life for myself from nothing. Yeah. And then I made a couple new friends. And in that new friend circle is how I met my ex. And then that was a thing. You know, so I'm kind of back to square one where I don't know exactly what's going on or what to do, but I've been here before. So I think I just need to take it day by day and see what comes up. I always think of, uh, I saw this a long time ago, but it was, uh, like a pie chart and it was like a pie chart. Like there's actually no chart in the first, it's just a circle all the way covered in. And it's like. At the moment, this is what it seemed like. And like the little block, you know, like the little legend that tells you what the color means. It says, yeah. this is the end of the world. And then it's like what it seems like now. And it's like a little tiny sliver of the pie chart is that pink thing. And then the rest of it says, this was a lesson to be learned and move on from. Like we think things in the moment are like, this is the fucking most devastating thing in the world. And then you look back at it and in, you know, especially after some time and some contemplation and really spending time thinking about it. uh, It's not the end of the world. It's just, it's another thing that's happened in your life that you can learn from and move on. Yeah. Cause when this happened, 
well, not this exact thing, but something similar happened two years ago. And back then it felt like the worst thing in the world. And I look back on it now and I'm like, yeah, it was bad, but I moved on to better stuff. Things got much better. And I, I think that can happen again. Oh, 100%. Yeah. What's that? You remember that movie uh, with Tom Cruise, Vanilla Sky? Yeah. There's a point in that movie where uh, Penelope Cruz looks at him and she goes, that's the beautiful thing about life. Every passing moment is a chance to turn it all around. That's beautiful. It is. And it's, that's, I think that's the nice part about like with stuff like this, it's, you know, it's people's redemption. It's your life and it's your, your way of looking. A lot of it comes down to perspective. If you look at it one way and think about it as devastating and think about it as life altering and it's like, it can be, or not even can be, it will be. Like, you know, you manifest shit like that. Uh, we've talked about this before. I'm not the most religious person in the world, but I think there is something out there that kind of has guiding principles that does help us kind of make sense of what's around us. And I think one of the things that we can really do is think like, yeah, this is my life. It's happening. This thing happened to me. I can either let it define me or I can use this as a learning experience and move on. Yeah, because before, what I was referencing a couple years ago, I, w- I was not finding any connection with the people I was around at all, and I, I was very disappointed by that, and so I left and, f- you know, started hanging around new people, and that's where I found the real connection. So I, I think about that like some kind of, oh, like, maybe I was guided from here to there to experience something new and better even though the new and better ended up being a disaster to a degree. But it's not all doom and gloom. I've got friends. I've got people on my side. I've got people supporting me. It's just difficult. I always wish you could rent a dog. Yeah. Can you, can you, that's what No, I, you know what? I want two cats. Okay. I can't have them here though. Oh. Yeah, they're forbidden. I don't like, forbidden. I don't like cats. Well, you need to get your shit together. I just, you know what I don't like about cat, and this is something that, like, I everybody that likes cats is going to be like, well, that's totally fixable. Um, I, I don't like when cat's personality is that like aloof kind of like I'm just going to spend my time over here, or like the cat comes over to you and it's like, oh, cool, I'm going to pet you now, and then for some reason, just out of nowhere, it fucking bites you or like yeah. bats at you. I'm like, what, what the hell is this? I'm showing you affection. Do you not understand what's happening right now? Like. That that bugs me, um, but also there's something to be said. Like, uh, you know, oh, I forgot to tell you this, and this is something that's kind of an update. Remember the dog was? Re- I told you my dog was really sick. Yes, it was. Uh, she, she has chronic pulmonary obstructive disorder, or COPD, and it's basically from old age. And uh, they put her on a medicine. And she has not been coughing or wheezing or doing anything that indicates that she's having any issues breathing at all. And in fact, I took her for a really, really long walk on Saturday with with Eleanor, and it was unbelievable. I haven't taken her on a walk for more than a, a mile or two in a long time, and we went out for like three and a half, four miles, and dude, she was amazing. Because I kept going like, oh, we'll keep staying near the house, so if she like, starts to like cough or starts to show that she's kind of like slowed down, like, sh- you know, we can make our way back home in a couple minutes. Like, 
we just kept getting further and further away. And I was like, fuck, dude, this dog is doing great. Like I brought a bottle of water with me. She like drank water. She wanted to go again. Like she was like excited to continue walking. And, you know, for a 12 year old dog, when somebody says like, Hey, my dog's having trouble breathing and she's 12. You're like, Oh no. <laughs> like, well, that's really good news. Cause I was good. worried. I love that dog. Dude, she rules so much. And it's like, yeah. I really feel bad now is, uh, she's, she is getting older and the girls are very attached to her. Like the dog, yeah. the dog sleeps in their bed some nights, like sleeps oh. with them all night. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I have been kind of slowly being like, Hey, you know, Bailey's not going to be around forever. So make sure we pay attention to her. And it's like, cause you know, there's days where it's easy to ignore her because she's older and she, she doesn't like, if you don't engage with her, she will spend a lot of time just like kind of laying around and sleeping. Um, but you know, like my daughters are now like when they get up to go outside and play, they're like, somebody go get the dog, go get the dog. Like, you know, bring the dog outside and play with them. And it's, it's really nice. Cause, uh, you know, she feels like she's part of the pack and she feels like, you know, she's wanted and loved. And then the only thing I always get concerned about is when she gets sick and it's like, if she's uncomfortable, like if she's in pain, I don't want to ever have, like, she's such a nice, sweet girl. I don't want to ever have to have her feel pain. And I'm like, yeah, and I got you. Yeah. I got you. But it makes me nervous. Well, listen, let's cover some show business here. We need five star Apple podcast reviews because some of you smart Alex have been giving us three and one star reviews. So our overall rating out of five is a, 4.5 right now we need to get that up to five or closer to five so if you like the show and you listen to us go into your apple podcasts app give us a five-star review you don't even have we would like you to write a review too because we'll read it on the air and i don't know that's entertaining for us at least but uh give us five stars come on we're trying here we're doing our best right some days some days <laughs> <laughs> there's some days where i come on and i'm like i i think this is one of the things that i love about this show is it's such a break from my normal routine of like teaching and like being a dad and uh i, I love coming down here and talking about crazy stuff and swearing freely and talking about how andrew dice clay drums which Dude. i still don't believe i'm a drummer <laughs> <laughs> i play the drums I'm over here now, uh, playing uh, the oh, drums. Look, I, look, look, the China hat was over here. The China's over here. Now it's over here. We're going to have to work on that impression. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> it's not. I, I, I apologize for that one. If we didn't have this podcast now, I'd yeah. be completely screwed. Oh, I'd, ha man. I'd have oh, yeah. nothing to do. I think you would, you would jump headlong into gaming. I think that's where you would go. You know what? I'm kind of burned out on that now. Like the first couple months of being single, I was really into it. And I would wake up on Saturday and play. There was one day I woke up on Saturday and played from nine in the morning till 11 o'clock at night, I think. That's what you, I was going to ask you, um, that game you were saying you're like one of the older games you got into. And I remember a lot of people talking about it. Maybe it was high school or college. EverQuest? Yeah. So is that like, it's like, it's a role-playing game. Yeah. But there's no, there's no ending to the game. There's no like bosses to beat. It's just like you go on adventures and do whatever you want. There is bosses. It's a very large open world game with a lot of players. And there's 
there's big bosses. There's 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 endless stuff to do. What level are you? Forty five or forty six? Jesus, I'm deter. I never got a character to level sixty before. I barely play it anymore. And that's the highest, right? Sixty's the highest for the server I'm on. Yeah, okay. but I just want to get a character to sixty, and then I'm probably not going to play it anymore. It's like I don't know. It's just something I want to do. That was a big trend on. Um ebay for a while when i first started doing ebay you know 15 years ago uh people selling their everquest characters yeah you could make serious money off of it back in the day it's not you know it's kind of outdated now i think world of warcraft and maybe other games are overtook it yeah but i i like to play it like the first time i played it again and went to some of the old places i hadn't been to in 20 years it was like overwhelming in a good way like stepping into a time capsule and being yes. kind of enamored with what's going on around you. You're like, oh my God, I forgot about this. It was incredible. And I've gotten to see all these places that I've never seen before. And, you know, I jump on and I try to group with people. And if no one's on, then I just move on to something else. Because it's not that fun to play by yourself. I would see myself doing like not cool stuff on there. Like intentionally messing things up. Like just to be like... <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, you can get in trouble for that, you know. Really? Yeah. You can we, get reported. That was, uh, do you remember that video that was real popular there for a while? What was it that Leroy Jenkins? And it was like that, the, those guys like had, you know, spent all this time getting ready for this fucking like ridiculous uh, siege or whatever. And yeah, and that guy just runs in and just fucks fucking it barges up. in and fucks it all up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny to me. I don't know. I know it's a shitty thing to laugh at, but that's funny. <laughs> no, that's funny. That's funny. I watched that again recently. That was good. But yeah, well, I guess that's it for this week. Yeah, I just want to say thanks to everybody who listens to us. I'm very grateful today that we have this podcast because it takes up a lot of my time and that's exactly what I need right now. And Tommy, I want to thank you for standing by me. Tommy, I know that you will stand by me no matter what. Yeah, yeah, because I don't give a shit. My thing is, is like, you've been my friend since I was a little, I always think about uh, with, I, I, I've been friends with you longer than we were into music. Like when we met each other, we were 16 years old. Yeah. We, we, we're both 39 now. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a little scary, right? Like fucked up. And it's also, I think it speaks volumes about like the, the people that end up spending the most time in your life and the people that you enjoy spending that time with and go out of your way to spend time with. They're the people that, you know, I hate to like get like, you know, real deep about this, but those are the people that'll be at your funeral. Those are the people that'll be at the the marks of your life, your wedding, the people that'll be there when, you know, something, when shit, when shit goes down and things aren't good and you need help. Like those are the people you turn to. And, uh, I, I'm glad I have you too, man, because, uh, if this was just, I, I felt like I've lost connection with a lot of things around music and mm-hmm. this helps me reconnect with a lot of the things that, um, I felt like. We're just missing in my life. I miss that connection. I miss talking about music. I miss sharing old stories. And I think this this allows me to spend time with you and also, you know, have an outlet to kind of be creative with stuff. Yeah, man. This is our thing. And next week, we are back with a brand new guest. And it's going to be exciting. So strap in. My mother. <laughs> well, we are going to talk. We're definitely talking to Kelly. And perhaps we're going to talk to your mom, too, to find out what happened. 
<laughs> do a postmortem on why my childhood was so fucked. <laughs> All right. So that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next time.